Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson at Williamson NFL. This is the Locked On NFL podcast. How is everyone this exceptional Friday? We got week three action going on. We had a game last night. I'm going to be watching games tonight. All weekend we're going to be doing good stuff. I'm going to be doing the post-game show of Steelers-Titans from Heinz Field. Pretty exciting stuff. The Locked On Network's pretty exciting right now, too. We picked up yet another sponsor, The Athletic. I'll tell you more about them later on in the show. Um, my podcast is rolling along very well, too. I urge you to check it out every day. It's one of the beauties of the Locked On Network, is we do. We come at you every day with a little something, and I'm a former scout, give you an expert opinion on whatever it is we decide to chat about. But lately, and from going forward, the Monday shows are going to be a collection of folks from the Locked On Network, you know, like I might call up Locked On Browns tonight or Locked On Bears, and we'll probably have three guys on Monday. Maybe I'll even give that to you on Sunday, if possible, get to you a day early. Tuesdays is always going to be Sage Rosenfels. Gotta love that. Mostly quarterback talk, which is great. A little bit more of an analytics spin on every Wednesday with Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus. My old buddy from ESPN, Mike Sando, who's reporter, writer, analyst as well. He joins us every Thursday. And I imagine what we'll do every Friday is just, you know, we'll be picking games here soon. So for now, it's going to be Twitter Thursday on a Friday. You guys love the Twitter Thursday show. And I'm going to dig right into that. And that's where we're at so far. So spread the word. Go to iTunes. Leave reviews. That would be very helpful to me and the whole network. I appreciate it. Several of you, and I guess this has been a big topic buzzing around Twitter, asked me in some way, shape, or form, what quarterback in the NFL has the strongest arm? And I think there's a lot of ways to look at that. You know, I mean, who can throw the ball the hardest? You know, Jamarcus Russell, for example. I mean, who generates the most miles per hour on a throw? Or who could throw it the farthest? And there's also, who has the most functional arm strength, you know, on the move, people draped over you, feet not set, deliver the ball where it needs to be, where few can do it. To me, Roger stands alone in that category. Like, his might not be the strongest arm, but it's the best arm. It's the most arm talent. It's the arm you want. It's the, and I think Pat Mahomes has some of that for sure. He also has a power arm. Um, Stafford also has a power arm and a lot of functional arm strength. I mean, especially early in his career, used to see him throwing off strange platforms, strange release points, and the ball came out accurate with power, with velocity. Um, you know, Rodgers has that flick the wrist, to rolling to his right, throwing across his body, across the field to the left hash, boom, on target, drops it in a, in a tiny bucket. So I think he has the best arm. But in terms of who throws, who has the the strongest arm, I don't think those guys are in it. You know, I mean, I think Stafford and Mahomes are you know, very strong arm quarterbacks, of course. All these guys are. So is Flacco, but I think he's <coughs> not in the conversation anymore. Cam Newton throws the ball with ridiculous velocity and power, and not always accuracy, but I think he absolutely has been the leader in that category until now. I think Josh Allen has the strongest arm in the league in terms of this torque and creating velocity and power. 
I think those two kind of stand alone, and they both have the big bodies, big limbs, big hands, strength, power, get their whole body into it at times, you know, and, and they both can throw on the run too, don't get me wrong. But in terms of just standing in there, grip it and rip it, I'll give it to Allen, followed by Newton. And there's obviously a lot of other, I mean, their car throws well, great. But I'm talking about the, the best of the best. So... I am also asked here by GoPats. He asked me a couple questions. Matt, is Chad Kelly looking like a viable starter or a good backup? I know you liked him coming out, but he has progressed enough to be an option in two years. I think that's a good way to look at it. I mean, can he be the Broncos starter in two years? I think the answer is absolutely yes. You know, he fell in the seventh round because of baggage, you know, a lot of baggage. But he looks really good. Maybe he's maturing. He looks like he has matured as a quarterback, without question in my mind. He's got a lot of tools. I mean, he doesn't have the arm strength of those guys we just said, but, I mean, he's probably in that next tier with a lot of other really good passers. I mean, I don't think he can challenge Keenum now, but he looks way better than Lynch. I mean, way better than Lynch. And, yes, uh, I think his upside could be a franchise quarterback, a term that you guys know I do not you know, throw around lightly at all. Go Pats also asks, why is Des Bryant still unsigned? Sideline antics aside, what does he bring or not bring to the table on the field? Does May GM shy away this long? Is he still an elite wide receiver? Is he even a wide receiver one any longer? Thoughts? He is not an elite receiver, and he hasn't been for a while, a couple of years. Here's the, here's the scouting report on Dez. Big, strong, physical, has kind of gotten away, and this isn't any indication of him not being a hard worker or anything, but has always kind of gotten away with being the biggest, strongest dude on the field at that position and out-muscling younger, smaller guys, being better than those around him, more gifted than those around him. Was never even a great separator at his best, but is one of the best jump ball contested receivers of this generation. Good after the catch, I think he's much worse after the catch now. Rarely gets separation, but certainly has value for his size and red zone. But there's some problems, too. I mean, he's not a very developed route runner. I mean, even when he was, you know, more explosive, younger, that was never really his game. A little note about him, too, is... He pretty much always aligns in the same position, which isn't the ring endorsement of his football intelligence. And if he can't align in the slot or do anything, align any more than just one spot, that's not the end of the world, but you better be pretty damn good if you're that kind of guy. And he isn't anymore. And the problem is then it just becomes easier to, for the, the defensive coverage schemes to figure out where everyone's going to be. You know, like, if you can have receivers, Keenan Allen, Doug Baldwin, that is he going to come out in the slot? Is he going to come out outside? Larry Fitzgerald. You know, then the Patrick Petersons of the world have a harder time traveling with them. It's harder to figure out your coverage schemes in a very short amount of time while break huddle, between break huddle and snapping the ball, like, how do we double this guy? You know, if, if I don't know exactly where he is. But if I always know where he's going to be, not only does that hinder him and the offense, but it hinders the other receivers, because then you kind of know where they're going to be. So that's the issues. And not to mention, I mean, he sounds like he seems like a high-maintenance dude. 
I don't know how much money he wants. I mean, I think that's obviously important here. You know, what's he value himself at? And maybe it's too much because I think he's probably a starting receiver, but it's not a slam dunk. You know what I mean? So that's where I feel about him as a player. I mentioned the athletic to you before. Um, that is a slam dunk. I mean, especially whenever you do this. So if you go to theathletic.com slash locked on NFL, all one word, you get 40% off a first year subscription. So it's only $2.99 a month. I mean, it's like nothing. And to, to me, that's in itself something that is simple to do for all of you out there. But here's my favorite thing about them. That this is a mind-boggling concept. Is They have, not only do you have like local and national content, but they pump out 650 news stories every week across all sports at The Athletic. That's insane. And when they started... They were known for their local beat writer type of deal. You know, I know the Steeler guy real well, and he does great work. But now they've added some national dudes like Jay Glazer, Dane Brugler, Lindsey Jones, my man Ross Tucker. Congrats, Ross, on the gig. That's awesome. Ross is the man. Need to get him on here sometime. So The Athletic is a subscription-based publisher of smarter sports coverage for diehard fans. The Athletic model is very simple. There's no ads, no pop-ups, no autoplay videos. Instead, readers subscribe for authentic, in-depth coverage written by journalists who know their team inside and out, and now some national people as well. Coverage will go beyond game recaps and trade speculation to provide smarter analytics. analysts. can't talk well today, by the way. And deeper perspective about teams and the league. Subscribe and be part of the future of sports journalism. There's great writers there. So I urge you to save 40% off your first year subscription, which brings your total down to just $2.99 a month, which is very little. What's that, two cups of coffee? By going to theathletic.com slash LockedOnNFL, all one word. All right, all right, all right. So... Ryan Dean asked me, I know it's preseason, but did you take anything away from Eagles-Browns game last night? Yeah, it was a good one. I mean, it was 5 nothing. And let's just look at Eagles' offense. Well, both offenses were really bad. I mean, I think that goes without saying at this point. Both offensive lines were utterly dominated. Um, Nick Foles has really been struggling so far, and he struggled even more last night. No, Alshon, you know, Ertz looks great, and they do have some guys. Um, Wentz looks like he's still a little ways away, but coming along well. But I have some concerns from the Eagles right now. You know, you're hosting the Falcons in week one, and your season starts a little earlier than everybody else. I mean, ooh. Browns D. They got some takeaways. That's big news for Cleveland. I mean, taking the ball away, that is gigantic. They did not do that last year. I also got the takeaway of... Des Bryant, or not Des Bryant, I just talked about Des Bryant. Miles um, Garrett is a total superstar in the making. I mean, as every bit as good as I thought he could be, just beat the crap out of Vitae last night. And I know Vitae's a backup, but he's not a bad one. You know, he played, he was Super Bowl winning left tackle last year, and he was no match whatsoever. That Eagles O line looked bad, I mean, in addition to that. On the other side of the ball, First of all, I didn't really understand Hugh Jackson, if you're watching Hard Knocks. I mean, if anyone might pull a hamstring, he keeps him out of practice. And Tyrod Taylor, Ward, and Hubbard all got hurt in that game. Ward, the first-round pick, did not come back. Hubbard looked kind of bad, and then he did come back. 
Taylor looked kind of bad, and he did come back and kept taking hits, and they left him in. Like, I don't know. I, I think Hugh is very uneven with his coaching style and management, managerial strategies. Um, Mayfield and Taylor struggled. I mean, again, it was the defensive line ruling the day on both sides of the ball. Um, the tackle situation in Cleveland is worrisome. I thought Hyde looked okay. I thought Chubb looked okay. Eagles D looked really good. Fletcher Cox. Um, so I don't have a whole lot, I guess, other takeaways from that. But, I mean, I thought it was a pretty high-quality game. It was a great taste of what we're going to get tonight and the rest of Week 3 that it just looked a lot more like NFL football last night than, you know, some of these other preseason games and certainly what we'll see next week. So, you know, I think there's hope for the Browns. I mean, they played the Super Bowl champ. I mean, they versus the 0-16 Browns, and they end up winning. And I know it's not the same, but uh, I think it's a positive takeaway. Uh, Joshua Silber, who often writes in, says, Where does, Bre- where does Breeze rank all-time for you? Um, I did a quarterback rankings. I don't think it was this summer. I think it was the last summer. All-time rankings. And I remember Breeze being at like 9 or 10. And that's probably too low. I mean, I really think, because there's another question here about Breeze asking, is his career closer to Big Ben's or closer to Brady's when we remember these three? And I think it's closer to Brady. I mean, obviously the Super Bowl ring situation and appearances isn't the same. It just isn't. And nobody's on par with Brady that way. But in terms of records and numbers, Breeze is going to be at the top of all those lists. And what's more impressive to me is if every year that the Saints defense has has not been in the bottom five in the league, Breeze has taken that team to the playoffs. So he's had some awful defenses in, in New Orleans. I don't think it is now. And as long as it's not basically the worst in the league, this guy takes you to the playoffs over a huge sample size. I think he's the most accurate quarterback of this generation, or maybe that we've ever seen. He has great competitiveness, much better athlete than people realize. I don't know if people realize this about him, but he was supposedly a great tennis player as a high schooler, you know, pre-Purdue. Probably still pretty good, but you can see that. I mean, he has like tennis player feet in the pocket and always in balance and precise transfer of weight. Um, The more I think about his legacy, the more I think that he's universally underrated and needs to be higher up there. Uh, Talon asked me, where does Rivers, Gordon, Allen rank in your wide receiver, running back, wide receiver, or quarterback, running back, wide receiver tandems? What would be your top five? Um... I mean, Steelers, I think, have to be one. I mean, Bell, Brown, Ben is pretty darn strong. Chargers are certainly in that conversation. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking Brady, but if you give him Gronk, that's still pretty good and Burkhead. But you asked for wide receivers, so I can't put New England in there. Um, Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers, Devontae, I mean, that's a strong pairing, and Rodgers carries a ton of weight, and Aaron Jones. Mm. Um, I think the Lions, if on Johnson turns into something, could be in that conversation. 
if we think Cook is a good player, which I think he is, I think the Vikes are in that conversation, but with two receivers. I don't know that Cousins is on the same level as these other guys we mentioned. New Orleans absolutely is in the conversation. I mean, they might even be one. I mean, Bell Brown, Ben versus Breeze, Thomas, Kamara is pretty close. Atlanta's absolutely in the top ten. You know, Ryan, Julio, Freeman with a little Tevin Coleman sprinkled in. That's pretty awesome. So I think those are the guys that come to the top of my mind. You know, Eli isn't in that conversation anymore, but Beckham and Barkley could really bolster that situation, to say the least. Um, anyone else I'm missing here off the top of my head? I'm just kind of scanning the league as, as I'm thinking on this one. I don't have anybody else. I mean, Goff, Gurley. I mean, Goff's not there yet, so I can't give you that. Um, Mahomes isn't there yet. Can't give you that one. Um, Lynch, Cooper, Carr, no. Not not like not like the Chargers, not like Atlanta, not like New Orleans, not like the Steelers. So I think that's my list. All right, all right. Daniel Andrews asks, is the Pat Mahomes hype deserved or not? Yeah. But my, my thoughts haven't changed on this guy. Like, there is so much Favre in him. There is so much gunslinger. There's so much talent. There's so much arm talent like we talked about before. I mean, no doubt. But he's going to be all over the place. I mean, I just think he is a a roller coaster player this year that probably always will be to some degree with extreme highs. And I think he's just going to have a lot of head scratchers. But he would be pretty high on my list if I'm starting a team. What quarterback do I want? I, I am a huge Mahomes believer. And for those of you who don't remember, I thought he was the best quarterback in that draft class. Sir Catspaw asked me, Matt Khalil had a real good rookie year, but hasn't been able to return to that form since. My impression was that he took a few years for a good offensive lineman to grow into his position as a scout. Any thoughts on why he's gone from good to bad? A big thing with him has been injuries. You know, he came out very, very talented and did live up to that early pick, you know, the beginning of his career. He's been really injured, and you're, you're, you're 100% right. I mean, he is... More of a liability now than he is an asset. Um, I don't think he bends or moves all that well. Uh, I think it's been injury to him mostly. Uh, he also asks, folks really love the Chris Carson, Rashad Penny debate. What change in Seattle to make the run game better than last year's subpar performance with their RBs? I think a huge thing is, I think, and really go back and listen to yesterday's show with Mike Sando. We talked a lot of Seahawks. And his words were Mike Solari, their new offensive line coach, is one of the best in the league, one of the most sought after in the league. And I really think they have not developed their offensive linemen very well at all. I love the way Carson looks. I've never been a big penny believer. I didn't think he was a first-round caliber player. doesn't mean I hate him. I thought he was more of a second-round, late second-round type back. So it wouldn't surprise me if Carson wins that job. But with an athletic running quarterback like Wilson... You, it's almost a crime not to have a good running game. It's such an advantage. It makes defending the run so much harder because of the threat that he might just run. Not, not even the yardage I'm talking about. I'm just talking about what he brings to the table schematically. Uh, Matt Phillips asked me, are you concerned with the Steelers' defense and what changes have you seen from the new offensive coordinator? 
I think probably this weekend you'll see more of that and more changes from the offensive coordinator. I think Haley became a little predictable in terms of his run-pass splits. Um, very little play action in Pittsburgh. I don't know if you'll see more or not, but I think they absolutely should. thought Haley got kind of cute in short yardage, goal line type situations. But overall, I thought Haley was a pretty good coordinator and excelled at getting the ball at his best player's hands. Easier said than done when the defense knows that's coming. But I think that's the, th- the thing you'll see most is more no huddle, more tempo, more putting on things on Ben's shoulders, letting him really orchestrate the flow of the game. And I think Ben can handle that really well. I am worried about the defense. Uh, I think there's a lot of young talent there. I think we'll see more defensive backs on the field. We haven't seen any of T.J. Watt, and I think he's on the cusp of potential stardom. Um, but there's a lot of inconsistencies, too. The you know Burns and Davis and Hargrave and Tua to a degree and the inside linebackers and Dupree. And there are some moving parts. Um, that defense was really good before Shazier's injury, and they allowed 10 points a game more once he got injured. Uh, I think they'll end up being somewhere in between. It was a bad, bad unit post-Shazier. was probably a slightly, you know, they probably weren't as good as their stats indicated pre-Shazier. And they're not going to replace him. But they are going to get more speed on the field with more defensive backs. Rich Kingston says, I now think the NFC East is completely up for grabs. No O-line in Dallas. No receivers in Philly. Thoughts? Well, I mean, this Frederick situation is very concerning. Martin's also banged up. Tyron Smith is coming off a back-neck injury that anyone that's had a bad back or neck knows those things really never go away. But we're probably jumping the gun a little. But if Dallas is O-line, I very very firmly believe this. I think their defense is going to be a lot better. But if their O-line isn't great, I mean great, they might be a five- or six-win team. And... If they have a couple injuries to those dudes, if they're without Martin or Frederick, I mean, I really believe that that's the best tackle, guard, and center in the league. They're in trouble because they don't have receivers. As for the Eagles, I think we're jumping the gun a little. You know, last night there was no Wentz. You know, their receiver situation is a little worrisome. But I look at a guy like Dallas Godard and think he can contribute right now. Aguilar broke out. I like Mac Hollins. Ertz is going to catch a ton of balls that first month or so. Sproles is still in the mix. So let's not dig any graves for the Eagles quite yet. Uh, Richard Saville asked me, got a circular today that McDonald's now delivers with Uber. Are you in? Um, I'm not a big McDonald's guy. I try to stay away from fast food, and I don't do a great job of staying away from it. But I'm certainly much more of a Wendy's dude. And really, anytime I go to McDonald's, rain or shine, any time of the day, I get a sausage McMuffin with egg. And here's the trick. You get the hot mustard sauce for the McNuggets, and you dip your sausage McMuffin with egg in the hot mustard sauce. I mean, you can thank me later on that. But that is a changer in terms of McDonald's. But they will not be delivering my house anytime soon. Um... Yeah, this is back to the question about Breeze versus Brady. I read that one ahead of time. Is Pete Carroll on the hot seat soon, or have the Hawks all bought into a rebuild? This is from Bradley Johnson. I don't know that I can expand much more on that than what Sando and I said, but in ter- we didn't bring up um, Carroll's hot seatness or uh, b- where he'd be on 
you know, in terms of his job security, because I don't think it's a story. I mean, I, I just don't. I, I think that he's not the Belichickian levels, but I think he can walk away when he chooses to walk away. And I do think it's a pivotal year without question. But I think ownership has to realize this is a transitional phase in this organization overall. And Carroll's the right guy for the job. But he's old. I mean, he's a lot older than he than he looks and he acts. And I don't think his job's in jeopardy that way. But how much longer does he want to do it? I think that's interesting. I think they are an interesting team. And after talking to Mike yesterday, I have a little more confidence in the direction they're going than a lot of things I said this offseason about them. But still, I think there's going to be massive growing pains in Seattle. So there you have it. Guys, thanks so much. Leave me a note on iTunes. Drop me a line on Twitter, at WilliamsonNFL. I will talk to you later.